I'm going to pick up where we left off last week, and last week we talked about, I'm going to do a, a brief recap, I can't go through it all, but last week we talked about a covenant that was made, and this was Genesis chapter 15, verse 7, and he said to Abram, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? And he said to him, bring me a heifer, three years old, a female goat, three years old, and a ram, three years old, a turtle dove, and a pigeon, and he brought all these to him, cut them in half, laid each half against each other, but he he did not cut the birds in half, and the birds came of prey came down, and Abram protect, uh, protected the covenant and drove the birds away. And the Bible says, as the sun was going down in verse 12, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, a, dra a dreadful darkness came upon him. And the Lord said to Abram, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land uh, that is not theirs, and they will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years, but I will bring judgment on that nation that they serve. And afterwards they will come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, and you shall be buried at a good old age, and they shall come back there in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites has not yet been complete when the sun had gone down and it was dark behold uh, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between the pieces and on that day the lord made covenant with abram saying to your offspring i give this land from the river of egypt to the great river euphrates the Canaanites, the Kenizzites, the cabinites the hittites the perizzites the rephamites the amorites the canaanites the girgashites and the jebusites and that's a scripture we used last week and so a brief recap is abram cut the animals in half he laid the heifer the she-goat and the ram, and then you had a turtle dove and a pigeon, and he laid them opposite each other. And then the Bible says God made Abraham fall into a deep sleep, and a smoking fire pot and a blazing torch came together. They walked through the covenant together. They came back around, and they met. And as they walked through the covenant and, and covenants, the blood that they walked through was a testimony and a witness for years to come and generations to come that would speak on behalf of the covenant that they were in. And so as we did this last week, we had people walk through the covenant and we found out about what a covenant is. And a covenant is nothing more than a pathway. It's an access point. It's a place that you walk through to get to a desired destiny. So many people in our Christian walk, we come up to the covenant, which we represented as a door. Damon, can you help me right quick? We'll grab this door and bring it up here. And we use this uh, door as the, the representation of a, of a covenant. It's a pathway. right there and we we opened up the door last week and we said a lot of people walk up to the door and they look at this door and they say wow what an amazing door a lot of people do that with their covenant with Jesus wow look at this thing called Jesus he's amazing he died for us he did such wonderful things but the Bible didn't destine us just to have access to the covenant he wanted us to activate it by going through the covenant and that's what we did last week several of us walked through this covenant and activated our covenant in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, a lot of you, when you activated it, we began to pray heavily last week as, as staff and elders for you because we realized when you activate something in the spiritual realm, you're going to have forces that want to counteract your activation. And we're praying that you had a victorious week this past week, that you're still walking in the power of God in every area of your life. And so as you walk through that, it was your pathway to this place here that we've been talking about throughout this whole series, the place of home and a place of sonship. And this is now your destiny. This is now your destined position in life. We're going to get into this later in the series. The Bible says we have been seated with Christ in heavenly places. 
And so we've made this place our destiny, and we don't just have it by having access to the covenant. We go into the presence of the Father by activating and going through the covenant. And where we're at this week is we want you to have activated your covenant by going through it, but now let's define what a covenant really is. Because this is so important with your walk with Christ, with any covenant that you're in here in this earth, with your, with your spouse, whatever it is. So a covenant defined is this. This covenant is so binding that the two parties are no longer identified as individuals, but as one. I'm going to say that again. When you walk through that covenant, you are no longer identified as individuals, you are identified as one with the person you are in covenant with. That's why the Bible says a man will leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Whenever you talk about me, you're talking about my wife. Whenever you talk about her, you're talking about me. We are one. And so in this, this covenant, we are now regarded as one. So a covenant defined as this is when you, you come to this place and you say, God, I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. You've called me. You've destined me. I've heard the Holy Spirit uh, wooing me toward you or drawing me to you. And so now I make this decision. I have access to you through a covenant, and I'm going to activate it. And as I go through, I become one with the Father. Now listen to this. Jesus said this and got ridiculed for it. Jesus said, the Father and I are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I don't do anything unless I see my Father doing it, Jesus said. And so they are identified now as one. You, when you came and got born again and you are a new creation in Christ Jesus, you weren't just Joel T. Meyer made new. It's like, no, I was made new and I'm one with God. I'm one with the Father. That ought to get some of us excited. You and the Father are one. You know what the Father thinks if you're going to listen to him. You know what the Father can do if you'll listen to him. You'll know what the Father wants you to do if you'll listen to him. So we are no longer identified as two, but as one. Now here's the, the, the major kicker. God does not operate apart from his covenant with us. God doesn't make a decision without first referencing his covenant with us. The Bible says Jesus was slain before the foundations of the earth were ever laid. So God had already made the covenant in the heavenlies before you were ever even thought about or he created man. So he had already created that covenant with you in mind. And with you in mind, he created it. And so God does not make a decision without first referencing his covenant. Now, on our side of it, we should not make a decision without first referencing our covenant. This is why some of us get in so much trouble. It's because we make our decisions and ask God to bless it rather than referencing the covenant and finding out what God's decision is so it's already blessed. I got, I got in, in a conversation with a pastor one time. I was eating lunch with him, and I just started eating. And he said, you're not going to stop and bless your food? I said, why? I already prayed about what to eat, so it's already blessed. Right? Instead of making a dumb decision and ordering what I wanted, I said, Father, what should I eat today? And he said, pick this off the menu. And so I did. And so if he told me what to do, it's already blessed. Why should I make decisions outside of my covenant and then say, God, bless my decision that I made on my own when I should have been making it with you because we're now one. See, this is where some of you get in trouble with your marriage. 
You make decisions on your own, not based on your covenant that you activated when you walked through those doors or the doors of the chapel or whatever you walked through. You must begin to realize that God does not operate apart from his covenant without first referencing his covenant because he had you in mind before the foundations of the earth were ever made. He made that covenant. In your life, when you get born again and the Bible says you are a new creation in Christ Jesus, I'm new with the Father. Me and the Father are one. When Joel goes to make a decision, it should be based on the covenant. Come on. It should be based on what the Father says, because I and the Father are one now. It should be based on what Daddy God has in store, not what Joel T. Meyer likes in the moment. Right? So in this covenant, you got to realize that you and the Father have become one. You're no longer identified as separate. You should be identified when somebody sees you, they should say, Wow, I see the presence of the Father in you. Come on. Wow, when I see you, I see the attributes of Christ. Right? Wow, you're doing some of the exact same things, Damon, that Jesus did. Wow, Jeff, I didn't know you could walk on water. Wow, Sheila, I didn't know you could move mountains. Wow, Hillary, I didn't know you'd lay your hands on sick people and watch them get well. We should be administering the same attributes that the Father has. As people would walk through the covenant, they would walk through blood. So when we, Abram laid all the pieces apart, they, Jesus and the Father came together and they walked through blood. When you walk through your covenant with Jesus Christ, you come to the Father through the blood of Jesus Christ. As they walked through the covenant, it would be activated. As they walked through the blood, the blood is a witness and it is what they would use to testify that a covenant had been created. It's the blood that is a witness that a covenant has been created. I'm going to say it one more time. It is a blood, the blood that is a witness that a covenant has been created. Now, what is a witness for? Think of a court of law. I know y'all watch all these crazy CSI shows just like I do. And a witness is there for one thing, and that's to do what? Testify. The blood here that you walk through is now a witness, and the blood is supposed to testify that you are in covenant. And so how does this work? Some of y'all are saying, Pastor, this, this is weird because I don't understand how this really works. How does the blood testify? Everybody say the witness. I'm going to walk you through scripture this morning. And y'all better get ready for a buffet. Come on. So y'all, and those of you who are thinking, wow, he's got a lot of scripture this morning. You don't complain when you go to a buffet line and there's too much food. When you're in the house of God, you're already saying, thank you that he's got too much scripture. He is overproving his point. Come on. So everybody say, I'm hungry. hungry. No, say it like you're hungry. I'm hungry hungry. for the word of God. God. Now let's read this in Leviticus. I had to say that because you're like, Leviticus? (laughs) Man, Leviticus is a rock star book if you'll study it. (coughs) Leviticus will give you so much greater understanding in what you have in the power of God. Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11 through 14, it says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. Everybody say, the life? Is in the blood. Now listen. If you've ever wondered where you stand on the issue of abortion. This is way off track. It's off my notes. But I'm going to give this to you because it's political season. 
If you ever wonder where you stood on the issue of abortion, the Bible says the life is in the blood. The blood takes place at conception. Therefore, life begins at conception. Don't, come on, don't argue with me. That's what the Word of God just said. Some of y'all have been wondering, how do I prove this? I'm pro- I, believe in, I believe I'm against abortion, but I don't know why. I just, I just, I just know that life is important. We'll get a biblical understanding. It says the life is in the blood. Blood takes place at conception. Therefore, life begins at conception. That's a freebie. Take it to the bank. I mean, but highlight this scripture, okay? So it says, for the life is in the blood. And I have given it, listen, I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life that is in the blood. Come on, that's good stuff. Y'all didn't know Leviticus to be so fun. Therefore, why does it say therefore? Because read the previous sentence, it's going to tell you why it's therefore. Therefore, I have said to the people of Israel, no person among you shall eat the blood, neither shall any stranger who sojourns among you eat the blood. Anyone also of the people of Israel or of the strangers who sojourn among them who takes in hunting any beast or bird that may be eaten shall pour its blood out and cover it with the earth. For the life of every creature, everybody say every creature, is in the blood. Its blood is its life. Therefore, I have said to the people of Israel, you shall not eat the blood of any creature, for the life of every creature is its blood. So it just says, I have given you blood for the atonement of your sins to testify that you've been forgiven. Okay, that's scripture one. Everybody say Genesis. I'm going to read you out of Genesis chapter four, verses eight through ten. And Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done your, the voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Now, now listen, the voice of your brother's blood, all the life is in the blood, the life of every creature is in the blood. Cain killed Abel, one generation after homeless happened, the first murder took place. Cain kills Abel, God speaks to Cain and said, Cain, what have you done? Your brother's blood is speaking because the life of every creature is in the blood. Now everybody say Hebrews. Hebrews 12, 22 through 24. But you have come to Mount Zion. And Mount Zion in the New Testament age is the local church house, okay? And you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the innumerable angels in, in, festo, in, in, in feastal gathering, and, the, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So now we have Leviticus, the life of every creature is in the blood. We have God establishing in Genesis, way back in the beginning, it says, your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. 
Then we have in Hebrews, and it says, You've come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the innumerable amount of angels, the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and who is sprinkled blood speaks a better word than Abel's. So now we got that Jesus' blood is speaking, everybody say, a better word than Abel's. Now listen, Revelation 12, 11 says, And they have conquered or overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. Now listen, the reason many of us walk through and activate the covenant but still find ourselves on this side of the door, it's because when you've walked through the covenant and you activated it, the blood that you walked through begins to speak, as the word of God said in Hebrews, a better word than the blood of Abel. So the blood is now speaking or testifying on your behalf, right? Because we just said that, that a wit, the blood is a witness as you walk through the covenant. A witness is designed to do what? It's designed to testify or speak something, speak the truth. And we just read that the blood of Jesus is speaking a better word than the blood of Abel. And now we just read that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb. What's the blood of the Lamb doing? It's not just sitting there. It's not just forgiving your sins. It's speaking on your behalf. And the word of our testimony. The problem many of us find ourselves is we find ourselves back on this side of the door because we're speaking something contrary to the blood. Come on. Let me give you an example. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And remember what we said. The father, when the son came home, didn't listen to ignorant talk. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, you're not. You were a sinner that was saved by grace because you walked through a covenant of faith. And when you walk through, you're not a sinner saved by grace. You are born again, blood-bought, child of the living God with victory on your side and all of heaven on your behalf. But because of our ignorant talk, come on, if you want to get me fired up, this is the way to do it. Because of our ignorant talk, the blood is saying you're not a sinner saved by grace. You are righteous. You have the righteousness of Christ Jesus. You have the mind of Christ. You have the abilities and the attributes of Christ. Now, you have the fruit of the Spirit that is being possessed and, and expressed in your life. And you're over here saying, the blood's testifying that. And you're over here saying, well, you know, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, you're just an idiot talking out of term. And you wonder... Why the Father is not answering prayers is because the Father doesn't listen to ignorant talk. And you're going to him, oh, Father, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And he's like, you're obviously not a son. You're still over here in chair two. You're still over here in chair two. Because that's what the son said when he came home. Oh, Daddy, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And the Father said, get a robe, get a ring, get some sandals. And I'm cutting a new covenant with blood shed that this covenant will testify that he's now a son and he's not a prodigal anymore. We do not activate our covenant and get covenant rights by staying on this side, saying something contrary to what the blood spoke. Yeah. 
See, before you cut a covenant, you would lay out terms of the covenant. And when you walked through the blood and you came back and met on the other side, you said, now this blood will testify for eternity on our behalf that we cut covenant and the terms of this covenant are spoken out through the blood that's on our feet. What are the terms of your covenant? Good, come back next week. I'll start filling you in on some of them. Amen? We're going to get into covenant rights here in the next couple weeks. And we're going to watch what's yours in Christ Jesus. And so some of you, the best thing you could do when you go to the Father is when you walk through and activate this covenant is don't talk about yourself. Quit talking about yourself. Oh, God, I'm so broken. Why? The blood says you're made whole. You're arguing with the Father about what the Son did because you think you know what's right about your life. So the best thing you can do when you go into the presence of the Father is don't talk about yourself. I'm a sinner saved by grace. God says, no, you're not. We'd be good to come into the presence of the Father and just say, Daddy, I love you. I hadn't done everything right, but I thank you for the blood. I thank you for the blood. I thank you for the blood. I thank you for the blood because it's speaking a better word. It's speaking a better word than my current situation. It's speaking a better word than what my bank account looks like. It's speaking a better word than what my family situation looks like. The blood of Jesus is speaking a better word than my current situation that I'm in. So, Father, instead of me coming through here, activating this covenant, and me telling you about all my issues going on, I'm just going to say thank you for the blood because it's speaking a better word than I can speak. Come on. Come on. The blood is speaking a better word. And watch what the Father can do when we will let the blood talk on our behalf. Exodus chapter 12. Let's just get real, real for you. Exodus chapter 12, verse number 1. Y'all need to figure out how to slow a clock down. <laughs> Dang. Exodus chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt... Now listen, we've talked about over the past three weeks, we talked about that the, the Canaanites were building a land for a people that they didn't even know were fixing to come overtake them. Last week we talked about that the covenant they walked through, that the sin of the Amorites haven't reached its full measure. The people of God are going to suffer for 400 years and then they're going to be drawn out to this place called Canaan that the Father had given them way back in the time of Noah because generations curses were following them. And so now that we're here... We're in this covenant we're about to read about, and all that we've been talking about the past three weeks is fixing to culminate as we're headed to the promised land. Everything in your life is going to culminate this morning, and you're fixing to head to the promised land. And I'm talking, you're going to get there. Listen to what this story says, this account of Scripture. It's way more than a story. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Now, I want to stop right there. I love the logo that Damon has for the youth this year. New means new. I love what the Word of God says. I make all things new. God says, I'm about to cut a covenant with my people. And I'm going to prove to them that I'm making all things new because when they cut this covenant with me and activate it, 
This is what I'm saying. Everything is so new, you're starting a brand new year today. I don't care what the Egyptian calendar looked like. This is now the Jewish calendar, the Hebrew calendar. We're starting a brand new year, a brand new day, a brand new life. When we walk this covenant so much that I'm changing time. Come on. Some of y'all need to receive that. Today, God's starting a brand new day, a brand new year for you. I don't care when January 1st rolls around. You need to mark down on your calendar, February 21st is my New Year's Day. Everything's being made new today. It's a new day. It's a new month. It's a new year. God's starting everything, and new means new, and he makes all things new. And it starts with a covenant that's activated. Now, I could break this down verse by verse, but I got too much to go through, so I'm just going to read some now. And it says, tell all the congregation of Israel that on this day, the tenth day of every month, a man shall take a lamb. Everybody say a lamb. lamb. According to the father's house. A lamb for a household, and if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each one can eat, and you shall make make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. Everybody say without blemish. A male, a year old. You take from it, from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the month. And when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight, then they shall take some of the blood. Everybody say the blood. And put it on the tops of the door, on the, excuse me, on the two doorposts and on the lintel in the house in which they are to eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night roasted with fire. With unleavened bread and bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw. Why? Because the life is in the blood. Or boiled in water, but roasted. Its head with its legs and its inner part. You shall let none of it remain until morning. God said, get full. (laughs) Anything that remains until morning, you shall burn. In this manner, you shall eat it. With your belt fastened. With your sandals on your feet. With your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. This is the Lord's Passover, for I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike the firstborn of all the lands of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you. Come on, the blood's starting to talk already. It shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood... I will pass over you, thus the term Passover. I will pass over your house, and no plague will befall you. No destroying will come near you when I strike the land of Egypt. Now, come on. I don't know how I done cut myself, but I'm starting to bleed already. It said, take some of the blood, put it on the doorposts, and put it on the top. And that's going to be a sign that the blood is starting to speak. Because remember what they just did? They killed a lamb. They were cutting covenant. They killed a lamb, and they used the blood on the tops and the sides of the doorframe. And the Bible says that the angel of God, the death angel, was an angel of God. And it was going to pass over, and remember when you come into covenant with God, he said, I'm going to be an enemy to your enemies. <laughs> come on. <laughs> this is what he's saying to Pharaoh and all of Egypt. And listen, some of y'all say, well, God, how could God do that to Pharaoh? If God can't use you in your obedience, he'll use you in your rebellion. 
Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and Pharaoh's heart was hardened. And so he said, okay, fine. Pharaoh, if you're going to keep hardening your heart, I'll harden it too. And when he hardened it too, listen, God said, Pharaoh, you didn't want to obey me, so I'm going to use you in your rebellion. You're going to get used. <laughs> and so the, the, the blood on the sides of the doorpost and on the top of it was there as a sign that when the death angel, the angel of God, would pass over, and as the angel of God passed over the house, it would see the blood, and a striking would not come on that family. Now listen to this. If an angel of God cannot pass the bloodline of a goat, how much more can the devil not pass the bloodline of his one and only son, Jesus Christ, when that precious blood was shed on the cross of Calvary? Now come on. We got to understand something this morning. As you walked through the blood last week, as you walked through that door last week, as you went through that door last week, something was activated in your life. What happened? The same thing that the Israelites did, we must do. Now, this sacrifice that they just did was so prophetic, and it was so important and so powerful because it's the prophetic sacrifice of God delivering his people out of sin and bondage into a heavenly place just like he brought his people out of sin and bondage of Egypt in an earthly place. And so they walked out through the door. Now, here's a couple things we got to remember about this. What was their approach to that door? And their approach to that door needs to be your approach to the covenant every Sunday when you come in. Every morning when you wake up and do your quiet time. This needs to be your approach. The Bible didn't say, kick your shoes off, uh, take your coat off, and relax, and have a leisurely time eating the lamb. It said, this is how you're going to eat it. You're going to eat it with your belt fastened, with shoes on your feet, with a staff in your hand. And here's why. You're not eating it like you're going to stay here forever. You're eating it. This is your last meal because you're fixing to get out of here forever. You're getting out. Some of you come to church every Sunday expecting to be at this altar every Sunday because you got an experience here, but you expect to come right back here the next Sunday because nothing's going to change. Maybe you've been approaching the covenant wrong. Maybe you should approach the covenant with your belt ready. Some of y'all need to tighten up your belt so your britches don't fall off because when God starts getting you out, come on. Some of y'all need to tie and lace up them shoes because when God starts pulling you out, some of y'all need to get a staff in your hand and get ready to go. And you need to get ready not just to you walk out, you to get that staff. And I'm saying, I'm leading my whole family out. I'm getting the whole family out of this mess. Come on, some of y'all need to start thinking like that. Their approach was different than any other time in history. They were approaching the covenant and being ready to go. Their application was different. They put it on the tops in the sides of the door frame. So when the angel saw it, it would pass over. But here's the best part. It wasn't just about the angel passing over. When they walked out, they had to walk through the blood. I'm going to do that again because some of y'all didn't realize that. When they walked out, they walked through the blood that is now testifying on their behalf that I am God's child. I've been in covenant with the Father now. And Father, my enemies are now your enemies. My friends are now your friends. And I'm walking through this covenant. And now the blood is talking to God, not the Israelites. Yeah. 
And so they walked through. And they walked through the blood. Now listen. Some of y'all always wondered what happened after they walked out. You just keep reading the story of Exodus. Oh, then they came to the Red Sea. You want to know why the Red Sea had to split? Because of the blood. You want to know why the Red Sea had to split? Because of the covenant Abram made and the blood. You want to know why the Red Sea had to split? Because Jesus was uh, slain before the foundations of the earth were ever laid. The Red Sea had to split. It didn't have a choice. God doesn't do anything without first consulting the covenant. So when Moses came up to the Red Sea and Moses said, God, it's on you now. God says, good, it's about time that it's on me. Put your staff in the water and watch it divide. Some of y'all need to walk up to the place in your life that's burdened, that seems impassable. And you need to, with a staff in your hand, more like the word of God in your hand, go lay it on that car that's giving you all this trouble and say, in the name of Jesus, Daddy God, this is now your car, not my car. Turn it into his hands. Some of y'all say, well, that's silly. And you wonder why your covenant ain't working for you. I don't care what the American culture thinks is silly. I'm not in the American culture. I'm in the kingdom of his dear son, Jesus Christ. And I'm going to operate by that kingdom and by that covenant. And when we start operating by that covenant, mountains begin to move. Seas begin to split. Storms begin to get calmed. They see us looking, acting, and being like Jesus. Now listen, Psalm 105 verse 37 in the King James Version says this, And he brought them forth... With silver and gold. Everybody said they were blessed going out. (laughs) He brought them forth with silver and gold. And there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Some versions translate that there was not one sick person among their tribes. Some say not one faltered among their tribes. And listen, over 600,000 men walked out. That's not counting their women, their children, and all the cattle of the land and all the other animals that they had. (laughs) They all walked out. But I can just imagine in some of them households, granddaddy can't walk. He's old. Slavery's been hard on him. They've been there for 400 years. I can imagine people who've been beaten Whipped, beat down, no hope, no joy, crippled. And God says to walk out of here. Some of y'all are thinking the same thing. Joel, you don't know what depression's like. Your dad gum right, I don't. I haven't experienced it the way some of you have experienced it. But I do know this, that depression can't stand to the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't know what your marriage problems are like, but I know this, that when you walk through that covenant with the spouse and you walk through this covenant with Jesus, he's obligated to start working on your behalf in your marriage if you'll consult the covenant first. I don't know what you're going through. You're absolutely correct, but I do know this. If over a million and a half people can walk through doors and there not be one feeble and sick among them, they could be walking through here on crutches, they could be crawling through here, but when they walk through this door, the Bible says they walked out laden with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble or sick among their tribes. When you walked through that door last week, you didn't know what you were walking into. You can activate covenant rights because you're letting the blood talk now. Moses came to the Red Sea shortly after. All the armies of Egypt chasing them down. 
All their firstborn are dead. These are people that are mad. They're going to slaughter this nation. And God sees the blood. He sees the blood. And as they come to the Red Sea, it splits. Because God is a covenant God. Now listen to this. When you come to Jesus Christ, the mediator of a new and better covenant than this, what do you think God's wanting to listen to? He's listening to the blood of Jesus. How does this work? It's the same way with our United States Constitution. When you are in trouble criminally, you are an American citizen. All you have to say is this, if you are in a court of law, is I plead the fifth. I plead the fifth. And what does that mean? It means I can't say anything without it being ignorant talk. And so I'm going to let the Constitution talk for me. That means I don't have to say a word because this document speaks a better word than mine. I plead the fifth. Some of you need to go before the Father with everything that you're dealing with and say, I plead the blood. I plead the blood. Because I can't say anything without it being doctrinally right or doctrinally wrong or theologically wrong. Or I can't say anything, Father, without it being ignorant talk. So the only thing I know, and we would be very good as a Christian world to start implementing this again, is I plead the blood. Because when the blood starts talking, the Father doesn't see your circumstance anymore. He sees his Son being whipped and beat and dying on the cross of Calvary and his blood dripping on the ground. And he said, for that price, my son paid my other son who is a joint and co-heir with him in Jesus Christ. Now he is in covenant with me. I see his blood and I see the covenant that we're in. I must go to work on your behalf. Mm. I love it when you go to some old school churches. I love it when you go to some people who are in their 80s and their 90s. And they were part of some of these great movements of God. And all they know how to say is, I plead the blood. I plead the blood. And some of you would be good to start pleading the blood over your children. And some of you would start seeing miracles if you'd start pleading the blood over your households. And some of you would get out of your depression if you would start pleading the blood instead of pleading your cause of why you think you should be depressed or why you think you should be sick or if this is the will of the Father for my life. Quit saying what you don't know. Say what you do know. And that is the blood still saves. The blood still heals. The blood still delivers. And I plead the blood of Jesus Christ over my life. And that's all I know. That's what Paul said when he said, when I came to you, I, 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 I declared nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. I plead the blood over your life. Look who's talking. When you walked through the door last week, you activated your covenant. And blood started speaking on your behalf. Now listen to this. That blood that's speaking on your behalf, this is a great thing. It's backed by every miracle Jesus did. It's backed by all the hosts of heaven. It's backed by Daddy God himself. 
And when you got the miracles that Jesus Christ did on this earth testifying on your behalf because his blood speaking, when you got all the hosts of heaven that are gathered around the throne singing, singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty because of the blood of the lamb that they see that dripped on the eternal covenant that was created before the foundations of the earth were ever laid. Because remember, the Bible says the Old Testament tabernacle is just an image or a reflection of what is in heaven. So when Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary and that blood was shed in the spirit it dripped on the heavenly covenant in heaven and God says now I don't have blood of atonement I got blood of redemption I got blood to make all things new I don't just have to forgive their sins I get to make them brand new again just like it was in the garden of Eden just like it was with my son Jesus now I get a whole generation of people that are made new through his blood now listen to this You're made new through his blood. And I said he gets a whole generation. Because God doesn't have grandkids. God doesn't have grandkids. He said you are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. His son. Because of his blood that's speaking a better covenant in your life. Last week was a moment of inspiration when you walked through here. You were inspired. And your faces were different when you came through. What you looked like on that side and what you came through here on this side, some of y'all didn't even know it, but you were different. Last week was a moment of inspiration. Today needs to be a moment of declaration. That what I activated last week, I'm not going back to this week. I'm not coming back to chair number two. What I activated last week, it's not going to go back to that old life. I went through inspired by faith. I was inspired in my faith, and so I went through, and I had inspiration. But today I have knowledge of what I went through, and that's the blood of Jesus Christ. So today I make a faith declaration that my family is bought with a price, and that's the blood of Jesus Christ. And I plead the blood of Jesus over my wife and my son and my other son, that they will grow up and be fearless men of God. They will be world changers in this earth because I got the God of heaven on their side because of the blood of Jesus Christ, and transformation has no choice but to come to my household. You make a declaration this morning. And some of y'all who were raised in these distinguished churches, you need to get stomping mad. That you hadn't been taught this since you were five. Since you could learn how to read. Some of y'all need to get stomping mad. And you need to come up here and you need to begin to declare at the altar that I've walked through the door. I've walked through the pathway. And I've walked through the blood. And now I declare... And guess what the Bible says? God will restore the years the locusts have eaten in your life. Some of y'all got some good stuff coming. I'm telling you. But today needs to be a day of declaration in your life. The blood of the Constitution, or the the writing of the Constitution, was made by the shed blood of men. A greater covenant has been made than that. And it's about a kingdom of his dear son and God the Father Almighty. There has never been a covenant made that was not ratified with some kind of blood. This was made with the blood of God himself. And some of y'all need to get up here and begin to declare the blood of Jesus over your family. Quit ignorant talking and don't bring your depression up here. If you got it when you're coming, begin to declare the blood of Jesus over it. 
Some of you are dealing with thoughts of suicide. You need to come up here and get stomping mad. That the devil's not just trying to rob you of your covenant, but rob you of your life that was bought with this covenant. And when I mean stomping mad, here's what I mean by stomping mad. Stomping mad. Devil, you'll have no place in my life. And it's not about how how you raise your voice or how high you jump or how loud you stomp. It's not about your physical actions. But some of you need to get something going on in your life where your faith has inspired you to walk through a door. But now your faith will inspire you to declare the blood of Jesus over your life. And why do I say get stomping mad? Because some of you, your faith isn't activated until somebody pushes you to the point where you've got to do something. I'm pushing you to the brink today. I'm praying that you get stomping mad. That the enemy has been trespassing across this bloodline all these years. But today is your day of declaration. That the blood of Jesus is more powerful. And it's stronger. And it is greater than anything the world has ever witnessed. And when you say, I overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony... Your testimony needs to be, I plead the blood because it's saying what's right. And look who's talking. It's him then. And you're just agreeing with the Savior. You're just agreeing with the one who paid the price. You're just agreeing with the one who, uh, who, who took the cost of the covenant in his own flesh. And the Bible says where two or more agree upon anything is touching it. Uh-huh. It shall be done for them. So when you say, I plead the blood, you're saying, I come into agreement with what Jesus is saying because the book of Acts says, Jesus ever liveth to intercede on our behalf. So when you say, I plead the blood, the blood starts talking and bringing up to remembrance of the Father all the things of the covenant. And then Jesus starts saying, Daddy God, you know he's in covenant with us. You know he's in covenant with us. And the blood is being brought before us And so now I'm testifying or I'm talking to you, Daddy God, about what this blood was for. And God never does anything without first consulting his covenant. And his covenant was made for you to receive all the benefits of heaven here on this earth. That's why Jesus, when he prayed, he said, Father, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if it's in heaven and it's not in your house, you better get stomping mad. If it's in your house and it's not in heaven, you better get stomping mad. What do I mean by that one? If it's in your house, marriage trouble doesn't happen in heaven. If it's in your house and it's not in heaven, you better get mad about it. Rebellion's not in heaven anymore. Satan was cast out. And so if rebellion is in your house and it's not in heaven, you need to get mad because something's out of whack with your covenant. And it's time that we realign ourselves with the God of all creation. 